Hear and see these words from 1 Corinthians. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. Oh, yes, it would. I mean, I can go places. I can, you know, give somebody a ride to church or help with drive with the Meals on Wheels. But I could never give money like hand can or bake the best potluck dish like hand could. Maybe I'm just not needed around here. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. Really? I mean, I can listen and understand a good sermon pretty well, but I can't lead people in places that, where they need help like an eye can. What good does it do to be able to hear and understand things when I can't see where people need help? I guess I'm not needed here. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. And if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no use for you, hand. Well, it's obvious that I'm the most important part of this body. Without me, this body would just be stumbling around in the dark. So, I have no use for you. Nor again the head to the feet. I have no need for you, head. I can think and reason and make all the important decisions. I really don't need any of you at all. I'm the brains of this outfit. <laughs> On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable we clothe with great honor, and our less respectable members are treated with great respect. Whereas um, our more uh, respectable members do not need this. Uh, but God so arranged the body, giving uh, the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body. <laughs> but the members may have the same care for one another. Oh, I give up. Hey, listen. 
I hear someone crying. Look, it's Nose. I wonder what's wrong. Well, I have an idea. Maybe we should go over there. That sounds like a good idea. and we're kind of worried about you. Can we do something for you? I don't know. I get lonely sometimes. I wish I had some friends, but who wants to be friends with someone whose greatest talent is sniffing out trouble? Well, I don't know about the rest of the crew, but I think that we have plenty of trouble that needs sniffing out. Okay, maybe you're right. You just come with us. If we all work together, we can do a lot of good after all. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Each, Each one, one of you, you is, is, is an important, important part. This is the word of the Lord. <laughs> we will never read 1 Corinthians 12 the same way again. Thank you, drama folks. Have you picked up on the theme of today's worship yet? <laughs> well, I'm back from Iraq, but we are also continuing a conversation here at home about faith and faithfulness, especially as we are seeking to live together in unity, to be together in community not only in this place and this church, but in the whole world. And therein, of course, lies part of the problem. How are we going to do that? We're thinking about that because it's a problem not just for us, but for the whole world. How is the whole world going to learn to get along with itself? Well, we think that the lessons that we need to learn and the inspiration that we need to move us forward come from our faith. No surprise there. Everything comes from God. And so as we're continuing to think about this issue, this problem, this question, we are remembering that God has already expressed his saving love for us in Jesus Christ. Through Jesus, God has opened a brand new link and a superhighway, if you will, by which we can communicate with him and be with him. God has invited us to live the heavenly kind of life now in Jesus. God has claimed us and put us all together into one place. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how God has put us all together into one village. God has put us all together into one family. God also has put us all together into one body. If you've learned anything about Scripture, you've learned that the Scriptures are full of easy-to-understand examples and images 
of what our faith in God is all about. All of us live in a village of some kind, don't we? All of us are part of a family of some kind. We understand what villages and families are about. We also understand what bodies are about. Paul was concerned about the very same issues that we are concerned about, the issue of unity and community, as he tried to minister to a very sophisticated, very worldly, in some ways very wealthy congregation in the city of Corinth. Corinth was a magnificent place. It was group of highly educated people, people who had traveled all over the world, people to whom the world had come. And yet because of that, in some sense, the church itself was full of problems. Everybody in the church thought they knew what was best. Everybody in the church wanted things done their way. The church was full of dissension, full of argument, full of envy, full of power plays, full of all the things that exist in any human community. Paul was trying to help those first Christians who had been claimed by one Lord into one faith through one baptism in one spirit. He was trying to help them understand how they were one, not the many, not the separate. And one of the simple images that he chose to use was the image of the human body. And so let's go with that idea for a while. How many of you have a body here? <laughs> Is anybody having an out-of-body experience right now? How many of you would like to trade in your body for a different body? <laughs> well, let's not go there. We all have bodies. Therefore, we all can understand if we will simply open the eyes of our bodies and the ears of our bodies and the minds of our bodies to see what is right there in front of us. Well, let me tell you a few things about bodies. Number one, you only get to have one body in this life. That's all you get. It's a privilege to have a body. It's kind of tough to live without a body, but it's a privilege to have a body. But you only get one, for better or worse. Your body, my body, they are unique. You know, some are a little more unique than others, let's admit that, but, <laughs> right? You have a unique human body. Now, we can replace parts of our bodies these days. We can use plastic or metal or pieces of other bodies, and we can replace body parts. We can jigger around with body parts, but still, this body that you've been given is pretty much it. That's good news for some, maybe not good news for others. That's just the way it is. Now, of course... Our bodies have many parts, even to people in Paul's day who did not have x-rays or MRIs or all kinds of different ways to see what was going on inside the body. It was very obvious the body has different parts. We still are discovering, by the way, different pieces and parts and especially processes of the human body. We're still learning the complexity, the beauty of the human body body. But it's obvious to everyone there's lots of different pieces involved. Here's another thing that we learn from the body. Our bodies function best 
when all of the different parts are functioning together and contributing what they're supposed to contribute so that the whole body thrives and lives and does well. That's just the way it works, right? Our bodies do not do well when pieces aren't working. In fact, a tiny, tiny, tiny little piece cannot be working, and it ruins it for the rest of the body. Think about when you get a little tiny paper cut on the end of your finger, and the vast majority of your body is just fine, but that one tiny little paper cut just drives you crazy, and it is right now as you're thinking about it, and you say, Jack, why did you even have to bring it up? Another lesson that we learn from our bodies, it's a lesson that Paul gives us. He says the existence, the fact that we live in a body can teach us something about bigger and broader and deeper truth, especially the truth about God and us. Jesus had a human body. That's what we say when Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. But the emphasis is on had, past tense. Jesus gave up his body. He allowed it to be broken. He allowed his blood to be spilled. He said, I'll die like any human body would. And so he doesn't have a human body anymore, but he still has work to do. And he needs bodies to do it. That's where we come in. We believe that in the power of God, we are engrafted into the one body of Jesus Christ. And by the Spirit of God, we are the Spirit of Christ that is living and moving and breathing and actually working in the physicality of this world. Religion is not just about what you feel in your heart or what you think in your brain. It's about what you do in this physical world that God created as a good place. And so what Jesus did in his body, we are meant to do in our bodies. We have to learn how. We have to learn how to function together, all of those different pieces and parts. We have to give attention to the body of the church so that we can be Jesus' body out in the world. And so let's think a little bit about what we learn from our bodies. Now, let me, let me give you a little, I don't know, a disclaimer or something or other. This is kind of covering my bases here. I'm not going to talk about your bodies, okay? I'm only going to talk about my body. I know my body the best, right? And God has given me an incredible body. Don't you agree? It just... Amen. <laughs> Amen. Right? What can I learn from my body that you might be able to learn from your body? Well, the first thing I've learned from my body is that I have to learn how to live in my body. I didn't know this was going on when I was an infant and a little tiny boy, but I've watched infants, I've watched little kids, especially my grandson. Have I told you that I have a grandson? Yeah, yeah. You know, we have to learn to use our bodies. 
A baby's born, doesn't know what's going on, but pretty soon they start to check out their, their hands and their fingers and their toes and their bodies, and they begin to learn to use their bodies. They begin to learn to walk. They begin to learn to grasp, do all kinds of things. You all learned how to use your bodies. It's a process that doesn't end, actually, because your body changes over time. And as your body changes, you have to adjust how you use your body. For those of you who are young here, that comes as news. I understand. <laughs> right? So you have to learn how to be a body, a physical body. Each one of us in the body of Christ has to learn how to use our bodies for the sake of Christ. We have to learn how to be the body of Christ. It doesn't come automatically. We are born into the church as helpless infants who are just lying there and say, hey, come and feed me. Come and change my diapers. Come and take care of me. No, you got to learn. That's what part of the life of the church is about, teaching us how to be part of the body of Christ. So you got to learn how to use your body. And once you start learning, you learn that some parts of your body work really well. As I think about my body, I, I would say perhaps that, that my brain works fairly well most of the time, not when it's jet-lagged like it is right now, but most of the time it works pretty well. My voice works pretty well. I can do some things with my voice that maybe not everybody can do. That's okay. Those are things, and we tend to develop and use and, and enjoy those parts of our body that work well. And that's a good thing. That's a really good thing because God gives us certain things that we can do in the body of Christ that we're good at. You know, if you've got wonderful, big, well-developed muscles, would somebody else stand up as the example for that, please? Let's, <laughs> let's, oh, thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't even rehearse that, did we? That was excellent. Yeah, that was good. You can always count on the basis. I love it. I love it, right? Right? If God gives you amazing muscles, maybe you're supposed to be an athlete. Or if God gives you an incredible voice, maybe you're supposed to be a singer. If God gives you a phenomenal brain, maybe you are supposed to be the brains of the outfit. That's great. In the church, you have to learn what part of the body you are and what part works really well so that you can offer it to the service of the whole body. Now, there is a flip side to this. There are some parts of my body, I don't know about yours, but there are some parts of my body that do not work so well. They continually need attention and management and all that good stuff. I have a back that's not as strong as it used to be. I have a shoulder that doesn't function as well as it used to be. I have stiff joints. I have poor eyesight. I have hearing loss. Open oh, enough about me. What about you? <laughs> right? Now, a lot of our ailments are just ailments. They're things we have to manage, things we have to work around. Some of them are deadly. Some of them are deadly. And so what do we do with that in the church, those parts of us that don't work so well? Well, that's one of the reasons, actually, that we go to church. See, church is kind of like a hospital or a gym or a physical therapy lab where you get diagnosed, where you get treated, where you get encouraged, where you get some exercises, 
where you get tested, where you have someone that says, you need to work on this and here's how you can do it and I'm going to help you with it. That's what the body of the church is about. To be that place where we learn to be stronger in the body, as a body, to be strengthened, to be healed, to be corrected. That's what church is actually all about. Here's another thing I've learned about my body is that I am part of the body of Christ and I need to think about how that actually works for me. And maybe you need to think about how it works for you. What am I in the body of Christ? Maybe I'm a pair of strong biceps that's given the strength to lead or the strength to take on the evils and injustices of the world or the strength to be with people when they are weak and falling apart. Maybe I'm the excess fat in the body of Christ. Maybe I'm all of that stored energy that's just sitting there doing nothing, waiting to be used, waiting to be expended. Maybe I'm the keen eyes. Maybe I can see things that no one else can see. Maybe I can see the details and the colors and the nuance, and I can perceive where it is that we need to go and what it is that we need to do. Maybe I'm a diseased and destroyed kidney that is so dysfunctional and so full of gunk that it poisons everything like bad theology and a misunderstanding of faith and bad practices and habits that harm the body and harm the work of Christ. Maybe I'm a big brain in the church and I can understand what's going on and I can teach others how to follow Jesus Christ and I can discern the movement of the spirit and the complex issues of life for today and where we can work as the body maybe I'm a deaf ear I don't hear anymore I don't hear the pain of others I don't hear the cries for justice from others. I don't hear when someone says you need to be corrected or you need to be encouraged. Maybe I'm the strong lungs. And I can breathe in the oxygen that will go into the blood that will feed the muscles and make the body actually come alive. Maybe I'm the strong lungs that can breathe in the resources, even the financial resources. This is stewardship season, by the way. And distribute them to the other parts of the body so the body as a whole can work. Maybe I'm an appendix. To the best of my knowledge, we still don't know what an appendix does or what it's for. 
And I really should shut my eyes because I might land on someone and you might think that I'm thinking that you're an appendix in the body of Christ. I don't want to be an appendix in the body of Christ. I want people to look at me and say, we know what you're good for. Maybe I'm a heart. A heart that feels. A heart that reaches out and brings other people into Christ's love. A heart that's willing to risk. A heart that's willing to lead. A heart that's willing to take on the world and welcome other people into Jesus' love? Those are the questions that I ask about my own place in the body. Am I a bleeding ulcer or nimble fingers? Am I an arthritic elbow or fast legs? When people look at me, do they see crusty, blotchy, irritated, oozing skin cancers? Or do they see smooth, glowing, clear, healthy skin that lets them see the Christ who's in me? Those are the questions I ask about my own body. What do you ask about yours? Amen.